0: All right, welcome back to this uh, preview podcast. Uh, you're listening to the Red Bulletin podcast. I'm your host Andreas Georges, and uh, this week, well, as previously stated, we have another preview for you. Um, we're going to be talking to some someone very interesting, uh, kind of a an all around badass. Although she's known for being now the world's top female endurance mountain biker. Um, so I wanted to take some time to talk about the hardest event on that sports calendar. It's, uh, it's held at high altitude, it's, it's long, it's grueling, and it attracts only the top talent from, from around the mountain biking world. And in the 34 years since it was first held in, 19, in 1983, the Leadville Trail 100 has established itself as one of the premier distance racing events. But it's especially remarkable because of its origin. You see, Leadville wasn't the calculated plan of some big-pocketed investor or a a brand hoping to catch in on a nascent sport. It was the desperate dream of a town on the brink of extinction. Ken Klober had moved to Leadville in the mid-1970s and uh, found work as a shift worker at one of the mines. Leadville had been mined since 1877 when the rich deposits of silver, gold, zinc, and lead were found in the mountains around it. The mines paid a good wage, and with not a lot of taxes to pay, you could, uh, you could make a pretty good living. But when the, the biggest mine, the Climax Mine, closed down in 1982, more than 3,000 people lost their jobs. And they turned to drink and other debilitating forms of distraction. Desperate, uh, Colorado's governor at the time asked Clover, who was one of the county commissioners, to do something. I mean, anything to get people to come and spend money in the town. Ideas were bandied about, music festivals, 10K races, but Klober's fondness for long-distance running, something he shared with his friend and eventual business partner, Marilyn Mopen, led him in another direction. You see, 10K was fine and all, but uh, with a 100-mile race, people would have to spend the night. The first race was held in 1983, a 100-mile ultra-run that was advertised through word of mouth and flyers tacked up in nearby towns. Forty-five entered, and all of them completed it. The course was grueling, and that's the way Klober liked it. You see, that's what would keep people coming back, and they did. Steadily, bit by bit, injecting life into the local economy. The philosophy from the get-go was to make it a family affair. The visiting athletes were customers, after all, and, and deserved the best experience. That way, they would spread the word. And the course was challenging because Klober wanted to force people inward. He wanted the racers to experience the solitude that he did on long runs, that, that breaking point that required them to dig deep and really find out what they were made of. In 1995, Klober and Mopin decided to expand the contest to include a mountain biking race. It was then, at that point, only the second 100-mile race for riders in the country. The course includes some pavement sections, but but it's mostly dirt trails, Rocks jutting out and and wide dirt tracks. There are four climbs in all, and the most brutal is the Columbine Mine Peak, twelve thousand five hundred and seventy five feet. That's the end of a three thousand foot climb, and by the way, that's just the halfway point. That's insane. Retracing their route back down to the town, riders hit a tough climbing section again, called the Power Line. This is at eighty miles into it. And adding to the difficult terrain is this fact. The popularity of the race is such that top mountain bikers compete, setting a grueling pace. The altitude just doubles the effort involved. And as Clover once said, you're going to be sucking that air that has no oxygen in it at all. But do you know the reward? The reward is when you cross the finish line. Actually, the reward is in the experience. The community turns out to create an atmosphere like none other in mountain biking. Residents line the narrow trails, banging cowbells and whooping encouragement. The crowds at the aid stations are four deep. The final push down 6th Street in Leadville feels to most competitors like their version of the Champs-Élysées victory lap that marks the end of the Tour de France. It's a family and it's a community and it's one born in dire straits and now flourishing. Their mascot in the race's soul is Clover. His pre-race speeches are filmed and uploaded to YouTube. He's incredibly charismatic, exhorting the hundreds gathered like a preacher as he whips up his congregation. He leads them in chants like, I will commit, I won't quit. When the writers don't make the cutoff time and are flagged off the course, he's also there to hug and console them as some break out in tears. The winners of the race include some international lubinaries, Lance Armstrong, Levi Leipheimer, both of whom made their mark on the Tour de France. Most beloved, though, is Colorado Dave Ween, who won it six times in a row, even beating Armstrong and Tour winner Floyd Lannis at one point. There are now six different races under the Leadville banner, including a more manageable 10K, although I probably won't be entering that anytime soon. Uh, in 2001, Clover and Mopin added a foundation that used portions of the race's proceeds to support schools, local schools that needed equipment, but even families that needed groceries. So real, real kind of micro-philanthropy. After turning away a few offers to buy the popular race, Clover and Mopin in 2010 agreed to terms with Lifetime Fitness, whose founder had competed, and they felt would protect both the race's integrity and the family atmosphere. And They have. Next week's guest is the race's most accomplished female rider. Rebecca Rush won her first ever Leadville after just a few years of competitive mountain biking, I should say, in 2009. Uh, Then she won the women's event for the next four years, smashing a 10 year old course record in 2010 and besting that record in each of her subsequent victories. We spent some time talking to her about her reputation as the Queen of Pain her successful career in pretty much every extreme sport she's attempted. We also talked to her about the inner demons she's bested and a journey she took a few years ago down the Ho Chi Minh Trail that forever transformed her life. It's a good chat. Tune in next week. And thanks.